Hello and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. And we have two really special guests this Valentine's Day week. And we wanted to talk about money and relationships. So we thought who better to talk to than our own partners. So Brett and Frankie, why don't you say hi? Hey, everybody. I'm Brett. Hi, everyone. I'm Frankie. Great to be on. I'm very excited. I've I'm listened so, to so many of these through He's... the walls of our house, of our condo, and now I get to be on it. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Things. We're just, just gonna shout out about money and relationships. That's that's the whole thing. We're gonna get deep. I do want to give a shout out to our two number one fans, Marilyn Schneider and Frankie's uncle. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you're yeah. pretty happy about this right now. Yeah, they're going to love this episode. What's Frankie's uncle's name? Will. Will. Hey, Will. Uncle Will. Uncle Will. Shout out Uncle Will. My mom's going to be listening to this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No filter for the family. You got it. I don't even know why you're starting to talk with me. She just talked with her. She taught me everything about money. That's true. Oh, I can't wait to get it. Oh, all right. Let's dive into that. What? Talking to our parents? Oh, we should definitely do that. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) well how are you two how's how's it going we're doing really good we had an amazing weekend because we um brought luna to meet her brother and sister like obviously reconnect with her brother and sister i I saw the video i was showing them to frankie i was Uh, like do you see how cute this is this is the cutest thing that i've ever seen in my life Thinking about it makes me want to cry right now. It was so sweet. They all played the same. They like, they just knew each other. And- what, when they all barked, you couldn't tell who was barking because they all sound the same. <laughs> it's so funny though, because they all had different coloring, but you yep. could tell that they were the same like size and kind of yep. breed dog. Yeah, they, they, the faces are the same. Their build is the same. Their temperament is the same. They're just one's a little, Luna's a little bit bigger than the other two. The uh, Maggie, the white one, is the smallest, and their coats are totally different. Wait, tell them yeah. about Luna chucking her body. I've never seen this before from Luna. So Luna loves playing with dogs, but she's never like the biggest one, and she doesn't use her body as like a wrestling move. But right once you saw her brother and sister, she just threw her body against them and just knocked them around. <laughs> I was like, she, she remembers this from when they were younger. She sat on like her brother's face like all the time, the whole time. She was just like on his face. So comfortable with them. It was so sweet. It was like a soul connection, but it was. Yeah, and she's exhausted now. Yeah, that's great. So low all morning. That never happens. Wow, (laughs) that's kind of nice for you guys. Yeah. Yes. It's very nice for us. This dog has a ton of energy. (laughs) Can't believe you guys are like dog parents. It's crazy. I can't believe we're dog people, let alone dog parents. Like, yeah, this has been dog people. So it's a good distinction. Yeah. So Brett and I weren't, we didn't grow up with dogs at all. Yeah. Um, Never had a dog. And I always wanted a dog like for my whole life. Um, Though a joke I said yesterday is like, my dad loved pets. My mom wore pets. So you guys are cats or was it just no pets? I had a cat for like five seconds with my dad and then he got rid of the cat because my sister was allergic and my brother was allergic and now I'm allergic um so yeah I just always wanted a pet and when I moved when Brett you know and I discussed me moving to DC he was like I was like okay I'll, I'll move I don't need a ring right away but I want a dog that's way more important yeah <laughs> so I got the ring first and then the dog but 
That's priorities. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah you both look at you go. Um, you grew up with pets. Yeah. I, I had a betta fish that oh. I would mirror against the thing and it would attack the mirror. I thought it was hilarious. So if Peter's watching, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I definitely didn't treat that fish right. But that was really it. My mom is not a pet person. I'm excited to see how she interacts with Luna and get like, I had to learn to be a, a dog person and my mom's going to have to go through a similar process being a dog grandma. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Um, is having a dog expensive? How do you put that in your budget? Do you split the cost of Luna? That's a you, great question. In this case, most of the cost of Luna comes on to me because it was my gift to her for moving down here. Um, and yes, I would say the first year is expensive. Um, I think we're spending a bit more because we've never had dogs before. So this is something I'm learning is that like we're overcompensating because we don't know what's right and what's wrong. So we're always going on the more side of things. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't cheap. But from what I hear, the way you figured it out is just talk to people. You know, I talked to I have several friends with dogs. So it's like, how much did it cost you to get the dog? What was the first year like? Should I get insurance for the dog? Do I have to sign up for a health plan with your vet? Like what's worth it? What's not worth it? And then so it's going if- through Excel spreadsheets and just modeling it out. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do for everything. And this is our, yeah. uh, this is our foreplay conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cause yeah. Like when, when you're doing insurance, you have to figure out your deductible and then, um, and how much they're paying you back the percentage that they're paying you back per bill. And like you play with those numbers and you figure out like the break even points and everything. And then it's like, well, is she going to really have $8,346 worth of expenses this year? <laughs> Is she? That's crazy. No, 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 no. I'm guessing that she's going to cost this year around two to three grand, something like, and that's including food and everything we've bought her and the adoption fee and everything like that. And then going forward, I think it's going to be like a grand, a grand yeah, a year. That's doable. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. What about you? Did you guys grow up with, I know, Amelie, you grew up with a dog. Yeah. My dog is, oh my God, it's snowing. Wow. Sorry. We just, we have snow here. That's How lovely nice little Sunday treat. Um, I grew up with a dog, but my dog is really more of like a cat because he's very (laughs) small and fluffy and like nippy. And he, I mean, I love him because he's my dog, but he's not the dog I would have chosen for myself. And also he is really, really poorly trained. Like we did not train him. (laughs) (laughs) He only likes my family. I can't Um, even tell you. It tries to bite me every time. Well, okay. (laughs) Hold on. That is not because it's true, but that's not because of my dog. It's because when he was really little, actually, this is one of the worst moments of my life. He ran out of our house and he ran and it was just me and my youngest brother, Chris at home. And he, ra- he got out of the, our fenced in yard and ran down t- the street and got run over by a car. But he was so little that he went underneath the car. Like the car went over him because he's just like this little fluffy thing. And it was the only moment in my entire life where I dropped my knees. Like I literally fell to my knees because I thought that my new little puppy was going to die. But then he ran back up the street into our house and has never left the Princeton yard <laughs> and That's it was terrifying. that moment where he like decided he didn't he was like scared of people he he just got really bad anxiety from that before that he was like such a he loved everybody he would totally have let you yeah. pet him now yeah. no more. how old is he during that moment like six months six oh months, yeah. yeah that'll do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that'll stay yeah. with you yeah, yeah. 
I uh, also had a dog. I my my first pet ever was a was a parrot who we still have named Charlie Brown. Nice. Parrots live that long? Uh, yeah, he's coming up to probably his last age here, but he's about my age, so he's probably around like 27, 28. Wow. And they he live until around 30. Yeah. He says, he says Frankie, Frankie. <laughs> says, I love you. Who's a good boy? He's great. Oh. But he was my first pet, and I'm the only one um, outside of my aunt who can really touch him or even go near him without him trying to bite you. He's so a lot of people don't love him, but I love him. He's he's super friendly um, to me. And uh, then I was like, what's that? That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Parrot <laughs> loves you. You're good. <laughs> he'll dance too. Like if you put on music and you go like this next to him, he'll start yeah. dancing. <laughs> he's really cute. He's cool. Um, and then I also had a dog, Casey, who was the best. She's kind of the opposite of Amelie's dog. Uh, Amelie never got to meet her, unfortunately, but she was uh, an English Springer Spaniel and she just had like a ton of energy and was like the perfect medium-sized dog who who was really well-trained actually. And like, you just call her name wherever she was and she would come over like five minutes later. Um, so it was great. So I, I'm jealous of you guys. I We really both want a dog and hopefully we'll get one soon, but. You know, when yeah. we first got her and we had, so now we've had her now for two months. Um, and originally I was like, I probably can never imagine getting a puppy again. And I don't think I'd ever recommend getting a puppy because they are a ton of work. Yeah. Especially like her breed being so high energy, like it's a lot of work. Um, I'm sure in like three months from now, I'm going to be like, I have to get another puppy. <laughs> I, I know it's going to happen. I'm happy that we got her as a puppy and we're going through this experience. And I know like when we get to, she's a year and a half, two years old, like the amount that we've taught her and how good of a dog she's going to be, um, is going to be really special, but there are definitely, I would, I would, if I got another dog, I'd have to think do I want a one-year-old or like a puppy? Yeah. yeah. That's true. It's kind of nice that you guys did it during COVID. So you had the yeah. time to kind of be home. And so I feel like that's a big piece of it. That's a huge piece. Yeah. Of it. The only th negative to that is that we're always here. So she's, you know, obviously very attached to us and like used to hearing sounds and stuff. So she's, she's not having a ton of like alone time to like learn how to settle by herself. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's the only negative, yep. but I mean, it's yeah. Brett wanted to give her up one day. <laughs> I definitely had him. It was like a week or two in and she was just, she had so much energy and like I'm getting yelled at at work because I'm exhausted yeah. and I can't get everything so like I'm working like till like 10 11 o'clock I have to deal with this dog this dog is freaking out and I'm just getting more tired and more tired because she's waking up three four times in the night I got to take her out to go pee and it's just like if this is how it's going to be for a year like I'm going to lose my job I can't <laughs> I can't afford to take care of this dog it's not the right home for it yeah but then yeah. luckily we figured out that um we were overworking we were just, her I was just doing too much with her yeah. I, just, I had to settle myself. It's <laughs> like the dog's the teacher. Yeah. I always yeah. say the kids, the, your children are the teacher. And so yeah. she's the teacher. Yeah. She's Learn a ton just by like watching how I interact with her and everything. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, Brett, you mentioned your mom and I want to hear about growing up for you. What were your, some of your beliefs around money and also, I'm just going to tack this question on because I want it peppered in, but what was watching AJ, like, get her shit together with money like from your perspective? All right. So we're, we're going to talk about AJ later. Um, <laughs> let's talk about me now. So, <laughs> so my mom, 
Well, my parents are both very fiscally responsible. Like my mom's an accountant. My dad was a lawyer. My mom is the one who ran the finances in the household. So my dad wasn't even too concerned with it because my mom did the taxes and everything. So she was the one who was, she, they both fiscally responsible. My mom knew the ins and outs. I wouldn't say that. I don't remember times that they like specifically taught me lessons. Like, Hey, let's talk about like, let's talk about a 401k. Let's talk about these things. But I was just always around people who were fiscally responsible. And of course, I had a, like I had an allowance as a kid um, for doing a ton of chores because my parents always put me to work around the house. It's a big Apparently, joke with my friends. Yeah, and, they put uh, everybody everyone. to work. <laughs> if you, you guys come over, like you're going to have a couple work. jobs and you're not going to be paid an allowance. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. The first, like I tell AJ this story, the first memory I have with like money or like not having any money was I, I'd save up to go buy, you know, hockey cards and baseball cards and everything. And we'd walk over to the store and I, I love that memorabilia store. Um, and I remember like saving up and buying like a whole box of cards and just emptying out the whole piggy bank and then coming home and having all these cards and opening them that excitement. And then at the end of the day, after that, it's like, wait, I have no more money. I can't do anything that I want to do. Like it has to be through my parents. And I was probably only like 10 at this point, but at least I knew that little change or whatever, like I could make a decision for as a kid, you don't really have a lot of freedom. So uh, the giving up my freedom in that sense didn't feel good. I was like, I don't really want to ever have no money in my bank. So I remember that feeling at a really young age. So that was a good lesson that I kind of learned. But um, the other big lesson, so what my mom really pushed me to was in high school, I was fortunate that we offered a couple like elective classes that were pretty like light. They they were really important for me. Um, One of them was accounting. My mom was like, at least take a bookkeeping accounting elective class before you go to college. Obviously, she's an accountant, so she believes in it. She's like, just understand like the principles. So I took that accounting class. That was probably 10th or 11th grade. I'm guessing with electives, it's probably 11th grade. Um, And I think I took two of them. I took the first one and the second one. And it it just clicked with me. It was just stuff that made sense. Um, I mean, you're talking debits and credits. They're getting into accounting concepts. But it was just kind of obvious and made sense. So that was a big one. And then I went to Towson and I studied accounting, um, which was boring. The the IRA. So, yeah, I'm getting there. Okay. So... (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so I was already like geared towards money and business and all that type of stuff. The other big one was my economics teacher in 12th grade. Um, it was macro and microeconomics. And Mr. Mooney, who was the man, a really great teacher, every other Friday, he would teach like life lessons, like just what's a credit card? How do you write a check? Like all of those type of things. Yeah. Yeah. All the basics. Like it's the stuff that you guys teach people and everything that people just don't learn don't understand like the fundamentals, how they work, why you do these things, and then long-term what it means. He taught us all that. I remember he did, we were talking about IRAs and Roth IRAs, and he did like the retirement calculation. Hey, if you put X amount away today at 18 years old or 17 years old, what's it going to equal the compound interest calculation, everything? What's it going to equal when you get to like 60? And like it was in the millions. It was like put away hundreds of dollars, have millions of dollars. It's like that's an easy fucking. <laughs> <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> you get that. You could take away all the math in between. If you tell me you start here and then you get here and you don't have to do anything else, you're good. So <laughs> that I remember I went home. I was like, mom, I should open up a an IRA. And she's like, that's like this at 18 years old. She's like, that's the first smart thing you've said your whole life. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mooney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, like, all my counselor money from work, work in the summer is like, that's where that went to. Wow. 
Wow. Damn. I mean, we were on different playing fields at eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was set up very nicely between my teachers and my parents. I was very fortunate that way. Well, that just goes to show that every like financial education is so important because who knows where what we would have done if we you know like near AJ um if we had those lessons at that age maybe we would be completely different people so for sure yeah Yeah. the other big one I'm just going on a tangent here because I'm thinking about education was was elective to learn coding that was 11th and 12th grade where I took two or three coding classes where my math or my accounting teacher actually taught the class and she was learning coding like the day before the night before she taught the class. Cause I mean, we were, we're talking like 2004, 2005. So this is yeah. you know advanced stuff. It's advanced stuff now. It's definitely advanced stuff then. Yeah. And she would just learn it and we'd have the class and we'd all work through it together. But I'd say those two, I mean, now I work in financial systems or just business applications. And you have this aspect of coding and you have this aspect of business processes. And that's like where my world totally meets. Mm-hmm. And it's not a coincidence that those, those were the two electives that I wound up taking at like 17 and 18 years old. Wow, that's yeah. awesome that your school had that. I was yeah, going to say, cool. yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't get access to that type of class or course structure until college. Yeah. And, and a lot of people can't do that and also do their regular school. So that's cool that you got to do that in, in high yeah. school. Yeah, super lucky. But just like how that works is so like I coded when I was at like 17, right? I didn't code again until like I got my job at like 23 years old. But like I just had the basics there. Actually, no, I took one IT class or computer science class in college, which I used my project from when I was 17 and just submitted that for the final project when I was 21 and got an A on it because it was a good freaking project. I didn't need to redo it. I already did it. Um but yeah, so I didn't really touch coding again, but then four or five years later, then I'm put in a situation where coding matters again, especially for making a living and getting a paycheck and all and moving up. And it's like, that worked out so well. Like that gap of time, it's a large gap, but it set me up. Yeah, you had the fundamentals. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. So um, fast forwarding, Yeah. you're doing great. Then I pop into your life. Now we're back to you. Yeah. So your situation, <laughs> um, so- <laughs> If anyone listens to this podcast, you know, AJ is one of the most vulnerable, like straightforward, honest people. Um, and she really understands herself. So immediately, like first date, she's like, she handed me over like on napkins. <laughs> like, this, this is my financial situation. No. Like scribbles everywhere and everything. It was like, I didn't even meet her yet. I was walking by her on the street. She's like, sir, here you go. You want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I waited two weeks. I waited two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Like. <laughs> well, it was just so important. It yeah. was, so, it just, I didn't want to get in another relationship where I wasn't truthful about my situation. So, yeah. yeah. So, this goes into what is it? Luck plus opportunity equals, prep- yeah. Um, luck plus preparation equals op- no, preparation no. plus opportunity equals luck. <laughs> that luck is when opportunity meets preparation yeah, we so got there <laughs> preparation plus opportunity yeah. equals luck yeah something like that anyway um this is like a one of those sort of lucky like everything was in the right spot situations i was looking for a long-term relationship she was too so like what you talk about when you're looking for a long-term relationship is a lot different than not when you're just having fun like you don't talk about kids and finances when you're just having fun that's a more serious conversation so i think with us both being we were long distance and I've been in long distance relationships before her. 
And I, I never wanted to do that again. It just, it's so much of an effort. And truth is that there are so many pretty girls around like where I live. <laughs> Why do I need to go to another state to go find a pretty girl I get along with? Like I should do that where I live. Um, that was definitely my thought process. So when we started up, yeah. So, so then when we started up, it was like, all right, let's make sure that there's a potential here. This isn't just like fun. It could just be fun and not work out because our personalities didn't work out. But like, let's make sure that there is a prospect of a long-term relationship. Yeah, so that's like the luck plus preparations. That kind of pushed that financial conversation. And me knowing how money works and knowing income and expenses, I'm hanging out with her. I know she's a yoga teacher. We're hanging out in Brooklyn in a absolutely gorgeous place. And I'm like, this one plus one doesn't equal two in this situation. There's more to it than that. So I was very curious of her financial situation, um, to which I never even asked a question because I'm not as forward as she is. Like she would ask that question immediately. Like, how does this work? I, uh, you know, it's, we just kind of talked and she just laid it out. And I guess to your original question of like, what did I think when she first like laid it out? I was like kind of doing the math. And it was, yeah, her career can't support what she, what her expenses are. And I knew I needed to show her that, um, honestly, like, it was just like, this is never going to meet. So th that wasn't like, Hey, let me sit you down and tell you it was more letting her work through it. So she got to that answer. Um, that was one thing. But I also knew her situation was like, I want to use the word fixable but it was achievable. Like what she wanted was, you know, to get out of debt and to be able to support herself and everything. It was doable. She just needed to kind of like alter her path a bit. Um, but, and she laid out her debt and everything. It's like, you can knock this stuff out, especially if you plan it right and everything. So that was the initial thought was like, is she in such financial ruin that it's just going to drag us both down? Honestly, like this is a, I know it's a long-term thought, but is this going to be something that we both have to keep shoveling out of for like 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. It's like a scary thought. Yeah, yeah, like when, it's, yeah, it's the most on? fair thing that you can offer your partner because if I didn't tell him and we, I moved to DC and I'm still in that 60K worth of debt, I haven't dealt with it. I'm like avoiding it. Then I'm screwing him over. Totally. In, a, in a way that he didn't ask for. He didn't sign up for that ride. Yeah. Yeah. If she's in like $500,000 worth of debt and she's making 2000 bucks a month, it's like, this is going to be something we have to dig ourselves out of for 40 years. And we're going to have kids in the layer on top. Like I have to question how far I want to get into that. Uh, yeah. I mean, completely it might have been, let's go. I don't know, but <laughs> um, it's good to know what you're getting into. Yeah. 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 That's so fair. Yeah. And so, and, <laughs> so, then, so then like analyzing her debt, it's also like, what's the type of debt? I know this is something that you girls do so well when you talk to everyone and it's like, okay, well, you're in credit card debt. Well, that could be symbolic of a spending, a spending issue. Just like, Hey, I just go out and I just spend a ton of money shopping. I have a shopping problem. That was not her problem at all, but that's like the type of stuff that you start thinking about. It's like, if you can put this money in order and get out of this debt, are you going to put yourself back in because you have these habits or these issues that you can't break? And ultimately for her, it was no, it was, she was young, she was traveling, she was never taught money, and she got into debt. And then she ran away from her debt for a bit before she was willing to face it, which I get because it's scary. Um, yeah. But it wasn't because of like these huge issues that was going to cause her major problems. So that yeah. was reassuring just to hear all that and be like, okay, we can come up with a plan and work through this and you'll be fine. That was totally. so that's how I kind of felt when we first went through it. Yeah, I mean, that is just a perfect example of how important the money mindset is and like understanding your own, like you were saying, 
if you have a shopping problem, you're just going to get right back into debt. So yep. it's like figuring out those long-term solutions. Whereas I think for AJ and also for me, I was just getting underpaid and trying to live in like a city and it just wasn't adding up. Yeah. Uh, but I won't talk about my debt. I'll let Frankie talk about yeah. it. So excited to hear that. Um, That's a different story than the Oh, that. a completely different story. <laughs> well, we also met when we were much younger. We met exactly. Yeah. We met at 21 years old, but anyways, so, um, it's very different. What were the I two? Know. Oh, I think about dead at 21 years old. Yeah. It's yeah. completely different. Definitely different. Definitely yeah. different. Um, talk about your family first then we can dive into. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your beliefs around money and like, and some of those, those shapings, like how did you end up in the career that you're in? Et cetera, yeah. Et so for people who don't know, I guess, and me and Brad do have a similar background when it comes to studying accounting and, and all that, but which is I, so funny that yeah. we both ended up with accountants. But um, <laughs> mine was definitely a slower progression towards learning all the aspects of money and, and stuff that you talked about, Brett. But from a young age, I don't know, my parents were, I know everyone's heard on this podcast already, if you've listened about Amelie's story um, and her family. And mine's probably pretty different than that, I would say. Yeah. My parents um, weren't like hammering home the concepts of, of investing and things like that, because that's not something that they were super keen to, but but the concept of saving and, and being careful with money was instilled in me since like I can remember getting my first wallet. I remember my dad gave me a wallet. It was a blind skateboard Velcro wallet that I had until I was like 17 years old. Never uh, changed. And it was great. And it, it was for, with, uh, when my dad gave it to me, it was like $20 in it. And he said, you know, save this money. like. I didn't really know what $20 was worth, but I, I remember when I, that was probably the first time I remember even getting money. The first thing I was told was don't spend this, like save this. And I always tried to have like a $20 bill in that wallet, like from then on. So, so that was pretty nice to think about. Um, and also like, you know, growing up, we always have like these big, you know, for me, I was raised like Catholic. So I had like communion and like these confirmation, these, these big things where, you know, you're getting money as gifts but you don't know like how much it is or where it's going. And my parents were always good about like taking that. My dad always said like, this is your money. We're not doing anything with this money, but like, you'll see it eventually pretty much. And so until I went to college, I actually had no idea how much money like I truly had because like they were kind of doing that for me. So it was nice in that sense that like they were, they were teaching me that, but it was almost like taking it out of like my mind. So like kind of out of sight, out of mind for me with money, like at, at a young age and I feel like, and I'm still this way now, and I only can tell you, like, I'm just not someone who spends like a lot of money on myself on like things like, no, I'll do experiences <laughs> and stuff like that. I have no problem going skiing and, and all that. But I am like, when it comes to like buying a t-shirt, that's like 20 bucks. I'm, it's like pulling teeth for me. It's like, I need like my shirt to have like 10 holes in it or something like that. <laughs> I feel like I, I should You've spend better it. about that. I have, I have. Yeah. But, um, so I feel like that was like kind of how my parents just brought me up uh, to, to really like think about saving money first and spending it when you kind of need to spend it. And that's kind of how they were. Um, more so my dad, my mom, like she spends money and, and I'm sure she's in a little bit of debt. I'm not really sure, but um, she, she'll spend like a lot of money. My dad's always like the opposite. They're almost polar opposites when it's like, he never will spend money on himself and she'll spend money and it just kind of balances itself out. They have a very, you know, mutual yeah. kind of understanding. They're also interesting though, because they have separate bank accounts. I don't really understand it fully. I don't know if they have totally separate. Not totally accounts. separate, but they know. each have their own money, you know, whereas like my parents, it's like all one big giant pile 
um so it's a different way of growing up like yeah which I think is kind of nice like uh I always felt with your mom that she really liked having her own money and like liked being able to manage her own money yeah my mom's just a really independent person she was raised by a single mother and so she's just got that yeah she's really proud of everything she earns and like you know yeah and good for her yeah good for her honestly um and so it was, it was different than the anomalies, you know, it was more just like kind of spend and you don't know, like you're not really earning the money or you don't know where like it's coming from type of thing. Whereas like, I never had chores. Yeah. I just, I, I, I truly don't know where my, like my parents would just give me money. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I guess the same. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. same with different from you, Brad. Like I had chores that I would never get an allowance and I didn't have like as much, it sounds like as you had or putting your friends to work and all that. But I would just occasionally get like money here and there. And like, it was kind of like that. I was like, oh, it's your birthday. Here's like 200 bucks, but don't spend it. Like this is your money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like save it. Don't touch it. Yeah. And then I guess going off into college, you know, um, I was really fortunate with my grandpa who's very well off um, at this point and, you know, came from really like nothing to now, you know, being really comfortable. And is kind of like the one who made, you know, the bulk of the money thus far in our family. And he, um, gave me an allowance for every month of like $300 in college. So that was like my budget, essentially every month I'd be like, I can spend $300 like max. Um, so that was really like a nice luxury for me to have. Like, That's going- a lot in college, like 300 yeah. bucks considering like, it's actually sinful how cheap drinks are in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it went to. My <laughs> freshman year, this place had closed down. We had 25 cent pitchers nights oh my oh, god wow. well like you throw it on 50 cents you have two pitches of like natty light and you just- <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> yeah because i closed down after my first semester for obvious reasons uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was really nice so i never was like feeling like really pressured about my money like i was always well off enough that i did feel like i could s- save it which was really nice um kind of backtracking back into like high school though i was always like really put into like you need to earn your money like it's not just going to come to you though like so the day I turned 16 I got a job and and I was always working since I've pretty much you know turned 16 up until college I had that allowance so that allowed me to focus on school but it was it was really nice to just like my parents were always just instilling in me like earn your money save your money like you're gonna need it in the future um that that type of stuff it wasn't really about debt and investing and all that and I didn't understand that so much I kind of had to learn that stuff on my own a little more, but, but in terms of just the overall concept of like being fiscally responsible, I definitely learned at a young age. So then going to college, kind of like Brett was saying, I did, I gravitated also towards accounting. I took like one class my freshman year. Everybody hated it. Nobody understood anything that was going on, but I was getting like straight A's and wasn't really trying that much. And I was like, wait, this is really weird that nobody understands this stuff, but it's coming kind of like second nature to me. So I started like getting really into that and and then that that opened up a whole another world of of understanding money and like more of the investing side like like yeah like put in put a hundred dollars somewhere today and it's going to be a lot more in the future don't just stack it away somewhere where it's earning nothing um and the whole concept of a 401k and and just taxes all that stuff i'm just learning about that really opened up a little bit more of a world of my personal finance for me where i was like all right i shouldn't just focus on like saving my money. It's like, how am I saving it? Like, how much should I be putting into to retirement and stuff like that? Stuff that I just wasn't thinking about, like building credit. I didn't have a credit card 
at all. So I had no concept of building credit at all. Um, that was more recently actually, but like, it was just like all that kind of came, that was something I kind of had to learn, like going through college, meeting people like Omni actually helped me a lot with my personal credit. Like um, we can get to that in a little bit, but I, I didn't have a concept of that, but that all kind of came and I learned on my own, but that, that was, was kind of my overall family kind of values. Yeah. Yeah, Frankie, that was similar to me. Like I didn't learn debt or um, credit scores or anything until uh, that I learned on my own, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like one of it was through those accounting classes is that you learn from a business perspective, like how to leverage debt and, you know, those concepts apply to an individual too. You just don't yeah. have access to as much debt. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you talk about going to grad school because I feel like that was a crazy time for you money wise. Yeah. So I guess I was talking earlier. I had all these savings, right? Like that I didn't know about until I got to college. Um, and and then I found out like my dad kind of gave me access to it. And it's like, you know, this is your money. Like you're old enough now and, and you know, spend it as you need to. And then I had to go to grad school and, and up until then my parents were paying for virtually everything. Like I had the allowance from my grandpa. I, my mom was paying my rent. My dad was paying the bulk of my college and I was paying, um, I was taking out loans for the difference, but it wasn't like a crippling amount of loans. Like I'm still paying them off, but it, you know, it's nothing like that that's, that's killing me. Um, but then like kind of everything broke loose for my one year grad school. And they're like, well, we'll continue to pay for the college piece. Um, but like everything else is now just you, like we've already, you know, supported you for four years. So I was like, okay. And then I, I looked at, that was when I was like getting really stressed out about money. Cause I looked at my savings. And I was like, all right, I need to like pretty much make what's in this last me a whole year because I wasn't really willing to work that much because I, I just was super hyper-focused on school and CPA and stuff like that. And, and um, we were long distance. We were long distance at the time I was living in Vermont. She was living in Boston, um, and we only got to see each other every couple of weeks. So I was like, I really focused on the relationship too, because we were like fairly new into the relationship, like not even a full year before we went long distance. And I was like really worried about that. I was like, I can't just get a weekend job and work all, all week in school. And then I'll never see Amelie and then that won't work. And then it's like, I have to balance something out. So I pretty much said, screw it. I'm just going to use my savings and try and survive. And which was I, tight. Yeah. Which was <laughs> tight. Uh, it was, I, that was when I started to realize what you kind of need in a savings because I was like, Oh, I have X amount in my bank. This should last me forever. And I realized in a year I could get it down to nothing. So that's kind of what happened. I was paying, I was living in an essential crack house in Vermont. It was li- like, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was less than $400 a month. All utilities included, All utilities no kitchen. Included. Like, no, it was just, it was The people craziness. below him were just straight up dealing drugs and had like guns and stuff. Yeah. And I would come visit and then like at <laughs> two o'clock on the morning, in the morning on like a Tuesday, they'd be like blasting yeah. music. Quick side tangent. Yeah. Like I went down one time because oh they were keeping God. Amelie up all night just to try to put it in perspective of the quality of this place. <laughs> and I knocked on these guys doors, blasting music. It was Sunday night, three in the morning. And they come out just high energy, clearly on some type of drug. And I'm, you know, it's three in the morning. It's Sunday. I have school. I'm really tired. And I'm like, can you just please turn down the music? And they end up backing me on the street pretty much telling me they're going to knock me out and leave me there like all night. And it was snowing out. It was freezing. I was like, all right, I might actually, you know, <laughs> die out here right now. <laughs> oh, God. oh, damn. Finally it ends. I go down me. I'm like, I'm never going back down there again. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fair. fair. Um, <laughs> and a week later they all got arrested and had 
guns and drugs down there and had, thank, like Uzis down there. Yeah, thank like, God. Crazy um, stuff. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Just huge guns. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. So really scary. But anyway, that was like, I was like, all right, let me live on this budget and see what it's like. And, that's what and that like. was what it was like. And that's when I realized, you know, I can't do this. But yeah. I depleted essentially my savings down to nothing coming out of grad school. I had maybe a thousand dollars left. And that I was just, only was against her better judgment, like supporting me when we were together. Like she was like, oh, I have plenty of money. Like it was my grandma's money. So she would come up and take me out to dinner and stuff. And and I wasn't really questioning it, obviously. Not like out to a, not like to a nice dinner. No. We'd get like some, a cheap burrito, but I'd be like, I know you don't have money, so I'll pay for you. Yeah. But I, it wasn't my, like, I didn't have money either. <laughs> I just thought that was like the right thing to do. Yeah. So it was interesting. Like we were both kind of living above our means at that point and, and just, it was, I was just always the top of mind. It was like school and money. And I was like, how much longer can I make this last for? I like ultimately get a job. So it was just the most stressful time of my life. There, there's no doubt about it. And then yeah. when we finally moved into Boston, I, I literally had maybe a thousand dollars to my name yeah. plus $30,000 of student loan debt. So negative money. Yeah. Um, so it was really scary, but then, you know, we turned it all around once once we moved in but it took a I while. didn't turn it around you turned it around yeah I went into debt I'm actually surprised that you didn't go into credit card debt during that time like that's I, I didn't have you. a credit card yeah you didn't have I didn't card. have a credit card until I graduated college which is pretty wild yeah because I was so hyper focused on what was in my bank so I was like I need it all to funnel through this debit card so I can see real time like what is left for me to use essentially yeah uh, but yeah that was that was a pretty much the quick summary of the background there. <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank, I um, I was very fortunate. My my dad was like, I feel like my mom would have been like, go get a job. My dad was like, your job is to get good grades in school mm-hmm. and to graduate and go get yourself a job so you can set yourself up. So I was yeah. really fortunate. They paid for my college. Um, we they paid for a lot of my grad school. So did my company, but I didn't come out of my pocket. So they wanted to make sure that I was debt free. And yep. while I was in school, when I was home over the summers, it was get a job. But like while I was in school, it was just focus on school. Don't worry about working. Just get a good education and do well. Um, yeah. To which, uh, you know, I, I feel, when I realized that later on, what that meant, it's huge. It would set me up easily. Um, and it's something I have to pass along to my kids. It's like, you can't repay your parents for that. Um, yeah. You eventually just have to repay it by pa- paying it forward. That's the way I kind of view it. Yeah. I agree. And I said the same thing to my parents. Like, it, it's unbelievable. I couldn't imagine having to work like even part-time and, and, and try and manage all the other responsibilities. So I, it, it is like invaluable. I agree. Yeah. That was just huge. Um, so, so, okay. So Amelie starts getting her finances in order. Like, what was that like? Cause I actually don't know this story at all because yeah. I don't know when you said to Frankie, like, Hey, I'm in 12 K worth of credit card debt. Like this is where it is. And I'm so, I'm so curious as to what that was like for you. Yeah. So like I kind of started with it when we were, when, when we were long distance, it was crazy. I had no idea. It was the opposite of what it sounds like for, for you and Brad, where you kind of wrote it down on the paper and it was like, lay it all on the line. Like it was not like that at all. So, no. so like Amelie touched on earlier, I was hiding it, speak, talking yeah. about shame. It was like <laughs> such a source of shame for me. Yeah. So like, like Amelie talked about earlier, we started, you know, dating. I was twenty, she was twenty-one. Um, I'm a cougar. So, so we were young, <laughs> you know. <laughs> By three months. Yeah. She loved me. <laughs> I'm an older woman. 
but <laughs> being at that age you don't ever even bring up finances really right like you're not thinking yeah. that long term you're no. like you know we're 21 this is fun this is we're seeing where it goes type of thing so so I had no idea I knew that she was well off from her family that that was the extent that I knew I had no idea so I almost was in this kind of imagination like she has an unlimited background of funds like I don't know what she's personally kind of doing but I know she's like fine overall that that was like my perspective um and then we moved in in Beacon Hill and she got this job at if I say that I guess yeah fuck it yeah she got this job at whatever company and um and I thought it was you know she went from being at a, a restaurant to that so for us we were both like this is a huge upgrade this is this is great um it was I, the most money I'd ever made. Yeah. So yeah. my my parents were like, when I was younger, was kind of taught me, don't ask people about money. Don't ask them what they make. Like, don't, just don't ask about their personal background. Like, I, to this day, don't really know what my parents, like, made in, in a year. Like, and just like a, a don't ask, don't tell type yep. of thing. Um, so I knew Alma was making more money than she was, obviously, at a restaurant. So I was just like, fine with that I never really thought about let me like really ask her like what are you making what are you saving like you knew what I was making I knew like at a base yeah we didn't talk about like the actual budget and like because to this I mean we weren't like splitting our money and we still we still have our separate money because we're not we're still in the place where that's like what makes sense and we're still we split things like groceries but we just like bend each other and split everything 50 50 for the most part um which is what we were doing at that point so we didn't have like a budget together we had like our own separate money yeah exactly and and I knew like yeah I knew your base and I knew it was really low but she would always tell me because I was concerned like AJ when she would tell me and I'm sure you know when she started working with you you found out she was like I make whatever it was like um, an unlivable wage in, in Boston I was like really concerned when I heard that and I was like are you gonna can we live here like can we afford this um and she was like well the bonuses are whatever like they, where i'm gonna make it all back in bonuses like which is what they told me when i got the job yeah it's it was yeah. so like evil because the base was so low and they were like but people usually make between like yeah 20 to thousand twenty to thirty thousand dollars more in bonuses meanwhile i didn't get a bonus for nine months when i started working there like yeah, they yeah. were like you're in this trial period bullshit so i was under the impression she was going to make at least 60 grand or something yeah, so i was like we'll be we'll be okay like i'm making and like I, I was able to budget my own kind of just high level like i know i'll be able to afford it but i just was under the impression she'll she's good she says she's going to get these bonuses she's signed the lease with me so she must be good um type of thing and i never really asked to be honest and she didn't seem all that stressed out about it for a long time like i wasn't so when we first moved in together whatever the first year maybe even or, or maybe a little less than that she wasn't really sure we were living our lives like we were in college like we were going out we were paying our rent no we were no one was like we weren't stressed out about money it was the first time i had a real salary so i was like acting like i was you know making a million dollars a year it was it yeah. was great um and the real, the first real time, like I got concerned or started to figure out about the debt and all that was when she started working with you probably, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't. Well, that's because AJ taught me like to talk about it. Like before yeah. that, I wasn't talking to anybody about it. So she told me like, oh, I have this finance coach. Um, and I was like, why? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a CPA. What do you mean you have a finance coach? Why do you <laughs> <laughs> how rude <laughs> but you've never talked to me really about I was like what do you what's what's going on like I know you're not making enough 
Um, and you knew at that point and, that I hated my and, job. Yeah, and, and kind of, I guess, maybe now I'm thinking back on it, a month or two leading up into that, she was complaining a lot about the job and about the money. And, yeah. and, and just, but I was under the impression she didn't have debt. I was like, oh, so you're just, you're kind of making ends meet here. So it, it sucks, but like, we'll get through this. Like, let's look for a new job. But I had no idea about the credit card debt until I think she started working with you. And then when she told me that, I was like, oh, I was concerned. It, it wasn't as bad and nothing that I was like, like to press point earlier that I was like, this is going to, you know, impact our relationship, really, I didn't think, or anything that I should be overly concerned about. But it was just like, all right, we should talk about this and we should, you know, be, be level with each other here because we got to stop going out to dinner. We were going out to dinner all the time, all the time. and I didn't think yeah. anything of it. I was like, we got to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, we got to stop doing these things that we're doing. And, and I mean, it turned around pretty fast when she started working with you. So I yeah. feel like I wasn't, yeah. yeah, it wasn't like a huge kind of rut for us where we were like overly thinking about yeah. it all the time. And but. then I feel, I feel like because I was working with you, AJ, we like really started being open about money and that's when I started being like I actually can't take this trip because my problem was I wouldn't say no to things like I would just be like oh you want to do this like sure I'll do it um and then I started looking at my money and being like okay I actually have to like learn to set boundaries like even with Frankie I'd be like Mm -hmm. no I don't want to go out to dinner I want to cook instead or like whatever it was so true yeah and then we started like being a lot more open with each other like now we're super super open with each other but it took a while to get there. Yeah, agreed. Because I was like, I said, like when I had my salary, I was like, I wasn't making a ton of money by any means, but I was like, went from being just dirt poor and having like no savings to now I can kind of spend what I want. want. So I was like, let's do this, let's do this. And she was just always, yes, no matter what the price. And we were splitting it down the middle because we were both kind of like living, you know, on our separate budgets here. And it was just, it was just crazy. Like, to think about how it was then and how we didn't talk about like either of us like what's in your savings like can we afford this it was just yes 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 and now we're both like really open about it like she said so yeah yeah it was it was definitely just definitely different than you two <laughs> yeah. well we were older i mean we were 28 29 yeah yeah we were like we want to get married and have kids and like that was we were in that mindset you know we were done with the we were ready to take that next step like immediately yeah. Like yeah, in our own we personally, ha- we certainly weren't having those, those conversations yeah. at that time. Frankie, something you said earlier, it's like, well, you're working with a financial coach. Like I'm a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have the same thought. I'm not a CPA, but you know, same background and all. And I'm the one who taught her like how to manage all of them, how to think through it. I'm the one who created that spreadsheet that she puts together for everyone else. It's Excel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I teach classes on Excel. Like that's no problem. So what, what, what became very apparent is that there's one thing of, and, and like, also like for me, I help like billion dollar companies put together budgets and forecasts. Like, it's like, what can't I teach someone else? Why, why is she the one who's now the expert teaching it? And it's because it's like, what you girls do is at such an individual level. Um, it's so far beyond the, the, the dollars and the goals. Like that's the easy part, right? Hey, let's yeah. look at what you have and let's match up these dollars and let's project it out for the next five months, six months, two years, whatever you want to do and see how those numbers work. And then it's like, okay, well, what's the plan here? And that's where you girls really dive in. And it's like, what are the issues here? What are you trying to do? Let's work through all these different situations. How do you communicate this? How do you have the balls to be like with a group of friends? Like, hey, I can't afford this round of drinks. I'll yeah, drink that was, water. That was a tough thing yeah. to learn. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like oh, those yeah. are those are things that like you can't teach via spreadsheets and that's how that's you why I had to work with AJ for so long because I my like money mindset and exactly that like the boundaries like that's what was so fucked up I feel like I got the I got the dollars and like the spreadsheets very quickly and I was like oh I can work with this like this makes sense I can work within my budget but like actually talking through like the money mindset stuff was what took me so long. And then as I started to learn it and realized how life-changing it was and how much of an impact it was making on my life, it was like, I have to teach other people. Like this, this is the thing. This is like, the you know, it just clicked. Yeah. Well, I mean, in hindsight, thankfully you didn't work with me. I mean, I, like Brett said, I would have been lining up the numbers and like, this is exactly <laughs> what you can spend. And you, this, I'm you know, like, okay. But I would take the human element out of it. It's like, what are your goals? Like, yeah. what do you want to accomplish with your money? It's not always just about this is, this is the number you can hit and this is what you should save. It's, there is a human element to it. Yeah. 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 Something that Brett taught me that I, that I find really valuable is the, um, something that I get really annoyed about when people are like, I want to save this much. And I'm like, for what? Like, let's give it a name. And Brett was really amazing at being like, we would, every month we would look at my finances and we would be like, how many shifts did I need to waitress? How many yoga classes did I need to take? Like what was coming in every single month we did forecasting and I had, th- I was in three weddings that year and we went to seven weddings that year, something like that. Something like that. So like, it wasn't just that I was getting out of debt and like trying to build wealth. I also was like in a long distance relationship and trying to live my life and be the person that I wanted to be, which is at my friend's weddings. And so like, he really taught me that like, there's about values in a way that was like, I think that's a big part of the program that we do. And like a big part of that came from Brett being about savings, like short-term savings. Like, okay, we, I know you want to save for this like hypothetical thing in like two years, but like what's coming up right now and what's the most important thing that we need to focus on. So if like you have a wedding in May, then like in January, we need to start preparing for that. So like, what do you need? What are those things? Um, And I don't think, I know a lot of people don't think that way. And that was like really huge. And Brett really taught me that. Yeah, I'm very goals oriented. It's like, I mean, Frankie, to your point about like your parents spending versus your spending and everything. Like my parents are very, they spend very frugally. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll update things. They'll spend a little bit, but they don't have like high end taste. They don't need to stay at like the fanciest hotels and everything. So like their, their spending goals are different than someone else's that would have that sort of taste. So they get, so they have to, I mean, ultimately they have to make less money to support their lifestyle than mm-hmm. someone else who wants to stay at, you know, five-star hotels and take first class and everything like that. If you want that sort of lifestyle, you need to make more money. It's really that simple. Yeah. So I'm big on goal being goals oriented. Like if you want to live on a farm in Ohio versus, you know, in New York city in like a luxury apartment building, like you have to have two different types of jobs and income sources. Yeah. And like, and then you're balancing like your work and your life. Some people's work is their life for me. Like I like that balance. Like I work so I can support my lifestyle and everything. And I'm lucky that I enjoy my work, but that's a big component of it. So it's like, well, then how hard do you have to work honestly to be able to support what you do? Do you have to put 120 hours in to go live the life that you want? Because at the end of the day, you don't want to look back and been like, I've worked my ass off. I have all this money, but I missed out on all these opportunities and these things I could have done with my friends and all. Um, those are missed opportunities. You don't get those back. So I'm big fan of goals. Like, what do you actually want to accomplish? All right, let's go work around that. Yeah. Work backwards from the goal. Yep. 
Yeah, that's a great point. That makes a lot of sense. Or sometimes you have a goal and it's like you just can't attain it. And that's yeah, sucks. But that, that's, that's, that's a good life yeah. too. Yeah. Like, well, you, if you don't like start actually making a plan for this, then it's just going to be a constant cycle. Like what we were talking about before, if you don't change your mindset, then you're just going to get yourself back into debt. Exactly. So it, it was like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And what do you, how do you, how do you two deal with money now in your relationship? Like, what do you split things? Like, do you have a joint bank account? What does that look like? No, we don't. We, um, we are very open about, so we work through our budgets together. I like, uh, so I know what she's making. She knows what I'm making. We know what expenses are coming up. So it's very joint. It's very thought out in a joint perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't share a bank account. So like if she wants to go spend on something, like I'm not going to challenge her. It's her money. As long as she knows like, hey, we have these joint things that are coming up. Like there's kind of like a baseline, I guess. This, yeah. is more, this isn't so much documents as theoretical. Like we, you know, we go grocery shopping. We don't do the Venmo. Hey, I've, I've bought two, 200 bucks worth of groceries. I'm a hundred. She's a hundred. We don't always split it like that. We just pick up things as we go. Um, and we make sure that we're both hitting our financial goals. So there could, there could be some months she's spending more than like her portion, or it could be months I'm spending more than my portion, as long as ultimately we're getting to those goals. And if we see that we're not going to, we talk about it. And then like, maybe we have to analyze our spending of the past, figure out where to save in the future. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, we're definitely looser. We're not as structured in that regard. Yeah. We yeah. also, um, we have like a mutual understanding of like, when things are, I need to pick them up versus Brett. So like we're going to a wedding in May and it's my friend. So I'm picking up the tab. Um, or if I can't afford to pick up the tab, it's a conversation, which has been many times. I haven't been, I haven't been able to afford to pick up the tab completely, but I try to cover like more of it. And if it's his friends, it's on him. Um, that's like a, I mean, we just have so many weddings. So that's like a really good example of that. Um, like Brett loves music. And so concerts, um, that's like usually Brett's picking up. If like I wanted to go to the theater, that would be something that I would pick up. Um, Unless it's for her birthday. Right. <laughs> we have to see one show together. Not one. Which is insane. Wow. This is where I'm like, well, if you want to see a show, go plan it and figure it out. Because yeah. I'm going to plan the hockey game. I'm yeah. going to plan the King Gizzard concert. Like, yeah. I'm not planning the, uh, I don't know, whatever show you want to see. Yeah. Um, so as you how many shows I know, because I couldn't even call <laughs> <laughs> it. I talking about like the producers or um, what, the Book of Mormon, which were awesome. Yeah. Was so good. That was our first, like, uh, that was the day that we actually officially started dating. We Aww. had Frankie planned a whole day in New York. It was so nice. We went to see Book of Mormon. We went out to dinner in New York City, and then he asked me to be his girlfriend. Oh, that's, that's awesome! So sweet. <laughs> Hell of a day. The first Broadway show I've ever seen too. Yeah. Oh, so Frankie's like way more like comfortable being romantic than you are. Yes. <laughs> but not in secret just just like I really don't like PDA or like that type of thing but I feel like I'm super like gross and gushy when we're just the two of us gross and gushy. yeah yeah although when Frankie asked me to be his girlfriend he's gonna hate me for telling the story it. can I please you say gotta it? Tell it you gotta tell it <laughs> he said he said do you it was actually really cute looking back he was like do you want to be my girlfriend even though it's probably gonna end I didn't, I don't think I said it like that. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. We were about to graduate yeah, college. For, it was so totally it was a fair. Whole totally fair. Thing. It was like we the going, worst timing. We were both about to graduate. We were like, well, 
do you really keep up with the relationship you had in college like after you graduate no he was like do you want a date for now I was like sure Oh, we talked about him more after that. Yes, but, uh, yeah, yes, I, <laughs> I love that. Story, but I just think it's really funny. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so I know that I mean, you guys are entering into like a new age of your relationship, right? Like you're getting into your later twenties, um, your mid to late twenties. You're like looking to have a dog and like you know all that stuff. So, how are those conversations going with money and like what's what's kind of your ideas that you're having I mean I don't know I feel like we both kind of have been trying to save a lot more recently I mean obviously Amelie working with you and and just being super hyper focused on the budget but me too I feel like recently like during COVID we both just been really hyper conscious on savings especially like for me I was kind of like loose about what I did with my savings like what I put in but now I have like a set amount at a minimum, I need to put X amount in off my paycheck, like right off the top. And we kind of have been planning out like, what are we going to, we know what we're doing kind of in six months. I feel like what are the big expenses and thinking about them now, whereas like we didn't really do that. Um, So it's like, do we want to get a dog? Like, let's start thinking about what it costs to save, like, like other just big expenses we know are coming up. We're, We're like thinking about it more than, a couple months out, which is probably kind of new for us. I, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. 2022, I feel like is going to be insane for you guys because a lot of our friends are married. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like all your friends are going to get married in 2022. Yeah. We already yeah. have the wedding starting this year. Yeah. And Frankie's actually a best man, which is pretty cool. Nice. So, That's awesome. Uh, it's a wonderful honor. We're like really starting the, Sorry. we're starting the the wedding train now. Yeah. So that's another thing, like we're going to have to start putting money towards for sure. But we do similar things to you. Like um, even with gifts and stuff, if it's like my mm. friend, then I'll pay for it. Or like I pay for all the Christmas gifts for my family, but they're from both of us. And he does that for his family. Um, that way we can really get people like what they really want or if we're splitting with people like he'll pay for it and then um but obviously the gifts are from both both of us because we're like in a relationship so yeah and we've been setting gift budgets ourselves yeah that has been really helpful we we used to (laughs) buy insane we used to spend like three or four hundred dollars at christmas just and like we didn't wouldn't talk about it it would just kind of be like and he just kept getting more up and then one day we were like for each other we were like all right we gotta chill out like yeah (laughs) so now we're like okay hundred dollars for christmas hundred dollars for christmas and then we like both well, so it's okay. So she'll two. spend a crazy amount of gifts <laughs> when I can afford it, when I can afford it, that's, I, that is definitely something that I like to do. But so two things is that, um, I, so we've been together three and a half years. So there's definitely like roles that we're getting more comfortable, like just owning, um, now that we're way more comfortable, like we obviously have been talking about money since day one, but like, I'm the gift buyer like I'm gonna buy the gifts for the nieces and the nephew and the and the moms and the aunts and all that stuff and the like friends the random yeah. strangers on the street <laughs> yeah. or- I'm also the um over tipper and also the um like the 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 activities coordinator <laughs> so like <laughs> like so I'm just like accepting like these are kind of the roles that I play in the relationship which I'm totally fine doing because at least they get done um and I like having ownership of them but um, so for our anniversary, so I, um, I, I launched the course, you know, in August, our anniversary is in September and it like was extremely successful and I was so excited and I have, I've been, I cut down my budget in half 
during COVID because um, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I saved a, t- a ton. I wasn't living with, um, I wasn't living above my means when I did this, but it was our anniversary. <laughs> and Brett's like, I want clothes. And I went crazy. And I, and I felt, and I had so much remorse that Brett ended up buying one of the <laughs> items from me. Cause I, I was just like, I overdid it so much. I was delighted. Frank, I'm kind of like you where like, I don't want to buy a new pair of shoes until like, I'm, you know, I'm slipping out of them essentially. And these have holes. So like, I need a new pair of shoes. And she, she knew that. So one of the things she bought me was shoes. I was like, when I saw how many gifts she got me, I felt so bad. Yeah. He didn't get me nearly that. I got her good gifts, but like, it just kept coming. And like every day there was like something new. I'm like, what is happening here? Especially because I'm the one who makes more in this relationship. So I should, t- I should be spending more on that. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't, I'm like, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I think having a conversation on like what things like, so we have a $25 um, Hanukkah budget, yeah. which I really love because yeah. then of we get to be really, to come up with something. Yeah, really creative. Um, I think we need like an anniversary budget and then birthday budget out of the water. I don't <laughs> anniversary budget. What Frankie, yeah. What Frankie and I do, which I think is actually like really awesome. And it's, one of the our my favorite things that we like both really appreciate is we we do gifts for like Christmas and birthdays but sometimes we even don't we do experiences like that's where we spend our money on for our anniversary we haven't ever bought gifts we always just either like go to dinner or and like split it or we um go do an activity together that's awesome Um, like a lot of the birthday gifts that we've given each other have been like rock climbing or can like outdoor things yeah um, nice yeah which is like a, i'm glad that we both have that value it makes like gift yeah. giving a lot easier yeah, yeah it's um, awesome. I, I have a question for you guys um i want to know so aj what do you think are the three things that brett spends most of his money on on like categories and then brett what do you think are the three categories that aj spends most of her money on so is this is this pre-covid or during covid um Okay. I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both. So pre COVID, I think what he spent the most money on was like, um, um, entertainment. So concerts and like hockey and things like that. Um, the second I would say is like trips with his friends, Mm -hmm. um, or vacations. Cause those are just like really big chunks of money. Um, and then the third, I would say pre COVID is going out to eat um also just like food in general yeah during covid definitely food um and like just cooking at home and like brett bought like a a 14 pound brisket for fun to make one saturday um it was awesome um (laughs) oh right now like tons of home stuff like we bought a sauna and yeah. Peloton and we built, we built out, we built a duck. We a got duck a bar a duck or a deck. We built a deck <laughs> and a roof. We got a bar, you know, we bought a bar. Um, so I would say home things. Yeah. And then the third would be, yeah. I mean, it's really just those two Yeah. at this point. Um, okay. Your turn. Um, it's a good question. I don't really know for you. Pre COVID. It's probably very similar. Uh, just you, I mean, it's obviously rent and food. And then besides that, yeah, besides that. <laughs> yeah. Duh. I'm too linear. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you spend on? She spends a bunch on gifts. That's for sure. 
but it's not the most. I'd say the biggest shift is probably wellness. She spent more. She, you probably spend more wellness now. I don't know. You go through phases. Well, like you'll buy all your little gadgets and everything, <laughs> and then you won't buy them for a while. I don't really know what you're spending money on. It's very, <laughs> very <laughs> lean. Yeah. I'm, I'm very sure. lean. I'm very lean. Um, I also like, I'm really a big believer on like have a budget for categories every month, and, like know that's what you can spend. So like when I um, got my job at Yoga Works, I had a $150 clothing budget. And so like, I just knew every month that I could spend up to $150 in clothing as opposed to like trying to save and like, or like go and have a big splurge. I'd rather just have those small little bite size. Yeah. 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 She's pretty consistent. Like she just... You don't spend a Guys, ton on clothing. Guys, you hear that? I'm consistent. Yeah. <laughs> realm you are. Wow. For sure. But she doesn't spend a ton on clothing, but she consistently will spend a little bit on clothing, replacing whatever items. Same yeah. thing with food. She probably spends around the same much, same amounts on food. The biggest change from COVID is travel and that entertainment stuff and going out to yeah. eat. Yeah. I was home like even more than you were. I was going to New York all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest change. And I think a lot of that has actually gone into probably savings or a budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what great. about you guys? Okay, same question. I love that it's question. It's a great question. Great question. Thank you. Uh, I can go first. I guess pre-COVID, definitely for her, travel was probably up there with number overall for like a year. Probably travel was up there for number one. She yeah. traveled. I mean, I'm sure you know a lot prior to COVID with her friends. That's where a lot stuff. of my credit card debt came from. Yeah, um, that, and then I'd say like, I don't know what you call them, like health products or i don't know what you like face stuff or yeah, like exactly. or like powders that she puts in her drinks she has like every other day i mean that's that's pre and post covid every other day there's like some package of something i have no idea what it is um vitamins or yeah <laughs> so health but i'm pretty stuff, i'm very consistent with it yeah you are but it's it's, it's been just consistent. One, it's one of my values. it's definitely one of your most you know spent on things and then nice skincare oh. Of course we're similar yep you guys are very similar i guess more recently i, I would have said clothing before but now i would think more like even pre-covid last like year like would just be like uh kind of like going out like um like food like yeah, just food out yeah takeout and food out i feel like i never spend money on clothes anymore yeah like, you used you used to buy a lot of clothes yeah i used um, to buy so many clothes it was like emotional more, spending yeah more than actually needing the clothes and now i feel like i literally never buy clothes and you're always still like, shopping on like but i feel like you're not pulling the trigger as much yeah I, I like looking at like what's out there but i never buy stuff yeah. can you let me know if you find any like professional looking blouses that aren't like too formal like just a yeah, step up from yoga clothes that'd be awesome yeah you don't even I'll send you like a full list oh my god amazing so my, my thing the reason why I'm always looking at clothes though is because I made a rule for myself this year that I'm actually going to try to just do forever but I don't I'm just committing to a year for now but I'm only buying clothing if it's secondhand or if it's sustainable like I don't want to be a part of fast fashion anymore so I feel like it's actually kind of fun for me because I really like clothing and shopping but I have to actually put a lot of effort into like finding clothes that are sustainable so I like I'm often researching brands which is like a fun thing for me to do in my free time because <laughs> you have so much free time yeah yeah my free time quote unquote um oh, yeah, okay fine. for you I would say just in general I think I'm just gonna do pre-covid because that's like what I think is more realistic but 
definitely like outdoor stuff. Like you would spend your money on like skiing and golfing and like yeah. outdoor playing outside activities. Um, definitely. Uh, you would all, you also spend your money definitely on like going out to dinner. I feel like we're yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, very experiential. Yeah, your experience guy. Bars and going out, yeah. yeah. But we we have never been like huge going out to bars. But I feel like when we when we go to bars, we're like not frugal about it because we don't do it that often. So we're like, if we're gonna go out, we're gonna like have a good time, and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we don't go crazy. But we're like, we're gonna get the nice beer and like whatever. Um, what else? I don't know. I feel like you're just a huge saver. Yeah, well, I mean, I spend a lot of money on like going out to food, like food and yeah, like the tattoo, like yeah. all my money. Yeah. Which yeah. we definitely don't do as much with COVID. And we, we got yeah. better about it after I started working with you because I started saying no. Yeah, so, I could go out to dinner once a week. Easy, yeah, and I, problem. yeah, so I don't know. I uh, I think that, and like saving, honestly. Yeah. I don't yeah. really, I have a lot of just like money. monthly expenses that yeah. I just like, I just, that that's a lot of my money for sure. Like that yeah. I just have and, and like my debt, my student loan, I just like keep upping like stuff like that. I feel like too. Yeah. You've been really good about paying your student loans. During Although I'm, I'm going to send back just in case we get a forgiveness plan. Come, I don't want to pay it all down and then something gets forgiven here. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, all right, you can go away now. Like yeah. I just checked November. I don't have to pay until November. Me neither. Yeah. I've been paying more during this just because of, you know, the no interest rates, but I'm almost like, actually get it to a number that I think could maybe in the realm of possibility of being forgiven and kind of like leave it there for a little bit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad idea. So I have a question for you girls. Yes. Alex, we can start with you. So you guys have done, well, what podcast number is this for you, for both of you? This will be 18. I mean, oh. we've released 18, but we've recorded so many. I don't so know. You've, done a, so you've done a whole bunch. Um, yeah. what have you, what are some common like patterns and themes that you've learned about talking to people about, you know, and money and everyone's bad with money and what they do with it. What are things that jump out at you so far? Great question, honey. Great, great question. Um, well, both from like working with people and talking about money and it's like a combination of everything, not the podcast, not just the podcast, but I've really learned that we like as a society we just need to remove the whole idea that you shouldn't talk about money because I think that's where so many of the issues come from and I mean that's the whole point of the podcast like talk about money like talk about the numbers don't make it so taboo um and for me it's like what's most empowering is seeing women talk about money specifically because I think a lot of times we are taught not to talk about money. And I think that the more we talk about money, the more we get down to like numbers, the more we'll be able to ask for what we deserve and like budget our money and stuff. So I don't know. I've just, I've just learned that like there actually are a lot of people out there who want to talk about money and it's just about finding those people and like making them a part of your circle. Um, I've also learned that, um, I mean, everybody's bad with money truly like I don't think there's a single person who's lived their whole life being absolutely perfect with money or hasn't learned some lesson or um, yeah learned Mm -hmm. as they got older so it's just like not making people feel bad about not knowing stuff I guess I don't know if that answers your question but that's what came to my head yeah um so one thing that like jumped to mind immediately is that everybody that we've spoken to that um is doing what we're doing is similar to doing what we're doing um, all like worked really young 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they That's all true. had this, like, even though they weren't necessarily good with money, they all had a drive and ambition to like have their own money. Yeah. Um, which I, which I think is just a really interesting thread between like everybody we've spoken to. Very entrepreneurial people. Yeah. And, and also very independent people, like people who really wanted to be self-sufficient. Um, I would say that, um, oh, I, I mean, I think that's really, that's like my biggest takeaway because because I talk about money all All the time with everybody. So I don't have like a good idea of like what's different on the podcast versus what's different in life other than um, there's just so much misinformation out there. And it's not even that there's so much misinformation. It's that people just don't know what to look up. I wouldn't even say there's misinformation. I just think people don't know what to ask for. Yeah. Um, I think that actually, I think the biggest thing that I've learned just throughout my like financial journey is that um, financial freedom and like being good at money, quote unquote, is just takes time. And I yeah. think that there's so many people that want like a quick fix or they want it to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just takes time. And so I think everybody being like really kind to themselves and knowing that um, as long as you're like working on it and trying to do something about it, like that's the, really the best thing that you can do is just like give yourself time to really sort it out because yeah. it's complicated and there's so much, I mean, growing up, you're given so much misinformation about money and so much like shame around it. So it's all about removing that shame and just like giving yourself grace as you go through it. Yeah. That's a key. There's no quick fixes. I mean, oh. great job of telling people that right up front. I mean, it's the same thing. If you want to build wealth over time, if you want to raise a dog, that's a life lesson. Everything takes time. Yeah. Like something to, like just to go back to this dog. Cause I love this dog. Uh, <laughs> when we talk to trainers and everything, they always emphasize like you have to be consistent at home with it. And it's like, that's obvious to me. It's not like one time you go to a trainer and all of a sudden this dog is perfect, but people actually believe that same thing with money. Yeah. They believe, Hey, there's one thing I can do. That will change this whole situation. Well, that's win the lottery, but the chances of that are so low that that's not going to be your fix. So it's like, yeah, everything takes time. You have to put in the work and really work at it. Yeah. And even if you win the lottery, if you're, if you don't know how to deal with money or you have a lot of shame around it, you might just record that money and never use it. Yep. Like, oh, there's plenty of people. Plenty of people. Yeah. Who don't want people to find out they have money. There's so much like yeah. shame around it. It's just like, Let's open up the doors and like talk about it. So that brings up another question that you both kind of threw out there. Why do you think that people are so hesitant to talk about money? Why is there so much shame around this topic? Why are people so hesitant to dive into it? So a couple of things. I think one, when we were talking about debt, I think there's there's something inherently tied to debt that makes you feel like you're less than. And it's, and it's the way that we view debt as a society, not not on a high level, big business picture. Like they love debt They're And I, I say yeah. this all the time, like Trump has so much debt, but he doesn't have a debt mindset. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't equate his worth to his debt. Whereas so many Americans do. He leverages his debt yeah. to gain more. Well. And exactly. And so I think that's a big one where there's so much, like I am less than I am. I am a failure because I have debt, even if it's like student loan debt, which like they didn't even like necessarily mean to acquire. Like they didn't really know better. They were 18. So I think that's one part. And then I think the other part is like fear of p- 
people taking advantage of you, fear of people like judging you, wanting, wanting something from you. Um, I think there's, I think as a society, we're very individualistic. Like it's the individual first, then the community. Um, and so I just think it, no one wants, everybody wants to be seemed as really affluent, but like nobody wants to actually like share that information and how they got there because then someone might try and take advantage of them. Those are yeah. some of my thoughts. I think I can go on a spiral, but I want to hear Amelie's. Yeah, I mean, also I think um, Frankie said this like at some point during this podcast, but um, there's like a, um, I don't know the right phrase for it, but there's a societal nicety that we're taught from a young age that you're not supposed to ask people about money and you're not supposed to ask people like certain questions. And that probably stems from like, I don't know, decades and centuries of um, placing value on what other people think about you. And so when there's that value in society that like other people get to judge you or get to like, like you based on the things that they learn about you, then you're not allowed to be rude or inconsiderate. And we decided as a society that asking people about money or, and is like too private of a question. And so it's like undoing that so that people don't think of it as rude and actually like we're empowering people to talk about it with each other. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like now it's like when you ask somebody what their money, like how much money they would make or how's they, they tie that directly into their success and their like yeah. actual worth as a person. At least that's what I've come to realize with people, especially like our age, it's a weird thing. It's like people hear what you're making and they, they attribute it to your X more successful than me yeah. or X more happy than me because of that. But I don't know. I think we got to get out of that cycle because obviously every it's the stereotype, you know, more money is not more, you know, happiness, but there is a degree to of correlation, I, I feel. And that's a question I kind of want to ask you guys from the people that you've interviewed or the people you've worked with, what percentage do you think of their happiness they tie to their financial success or their, their worth? I know it kind of varies by individual, but that's something that everyone deals with. Yeah, I think 98%. that, <laughs> yeah. well, I think that um, people, I think that money can't buy happiness but I think that having money and being financially secure will lead you to have less problems and less stress so it's like finding that happy medium between um feeling like you're secure and stable but not tying your happiness to money because like it's really true that once you hit a certain threshold like amount above that any amount above that isn't going to directly contribute to your happiness. Um, and I do feel, I mean, I feel like the people that we talk to are, are like aware of that for the most part, because we're talking to people who are more aware of their money. But I think we hear a lot in people's stories that that is something that they had to teach themselves that wasn't automatic. They had to like learn that because I think a lot of people growing up or like with society think that money equals happiness. So it's like unlearning that and then actually re re whatever, you know? Yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I also think the opposite is true for, to Frankie's point, which is that I think a lot of people are like really comfortable, like their identity is actually in that they make no money. So like a lot of people who work in nonprofit, a lot of people who work in the arts are like very, so are very like, I don't make any money and it's like such a big part of their identity and actually like working with people and being like, you are 
totally able to earn money doing what you want to be doing and you are being undervalued and it is affecting your work. And like, that's a huge mindset shift change. Um, something else I wanted to say about the, like the amount is that the most freeing thing that happened with Brett working with me on my finances was I was like, I don't make enough money. I don't make enough money like mentality. And he was like, you make, and I was making $50,000 a year. And he was like, you make enough money. He's like, look how your money is working out for you. He was like, you just have a lot of bills because you have a lot of debt. But he's like, and, and I was like, oh my God, I make enough money to like live in New York city, to feed myself, to go to weddings, to like be in a long distance relationship, to pay off my debt. I was like, oh my God, I thought I had to be a gajillionaire in order to like make enough money. And I was like, I was making fifty thousand dollars in New York city. Like, and it was so life-changing for me to like, understand the value of a dollar as opposed to putting the doll, you know, like I need to make a hundred K, you know? Yeah. I think the point you made before is so like, and it's just such a good point because there are so many people who attribute their self-worth with act with not making a lot of money because they feel like that's, they have to sacrifice in order to um, like contribute to the world. So people who like are live, who are yoga teachers or, uh, work at nonprofits or whatever, like they think that they can't make money because it would take away from what they're trying to do in the world. And it's like, no, you can do really good things and also like support yourself and be financially stable. And like, you should be like, you should, it's putting yourself before putting yourself first. That's like what it is. Yeah. So learning to put yourself first, pay yourself first, pay yeah. yourself first. Hey, yourself. Um, all right. Well, this, I knew this was going to be longer and I could talk to you guys forever, but we should Maybe. probably <laughs> wrap up. We, also, we should do this periodically. One, I enjoy talking to both of you. It's always fun. Yeah. Uh, it was only like the second time, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And um, I feel like we should just keep having these. If you girls are open to it, I love to come Very back. There's more to talk about. Um, but what are we gonna be here for eight hours? That's too long. So I <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. I did not realize it was twelve forty-five. Yep. Um, this, this is so great. Well, so Brett, um, if you could describe your relationship with money in one word, what would it be? One word. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. It's straightforward. Straightforward. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. Cool. Um, okay. And while I have you, what are three things that you're grateful for? Three things I'm grateful for. Yes. Well, at now talking through all this, I'm really grateful for my parents and how they set me up and the education they provided me and the financial stability they provided me. Cause that gave me the ability to go take my steps on my own. So that's a major thing I'm always grateful for, but it's very apparent right now. Um, obviously grateful for you and your, your, openness to working through everything like you know you've gone through you've changed way more than I have or grown way more than I have throughout our relationship um and you were willing to take tons of feedback that I've given you and make it actionable and listen to it and sometimes push back and be like you're fucking wrong (laughs) (laughs) um and this dog over here, I'm just loving this dog. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to like raise this thing and, you know, learn what it is to dedicate yourself to something else that's beyond me or you. 
um, and work really hard at it. And then of course, you know, it's gratifying to see the results when you call this dog and like, like right now, before what just happened, she walked down the hallway and we didn't want her in the hallway. We just left the gate open and I didn't have to go like freaking out and like grab her and everything. It's just like, just come here. And she just, you know, calmly walks over and that's it. So, so something like that, that's really gratifying. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Spotlight on you guys. Frankie, what, um, I literally just forgot the question in my head. Okay. Frankie, um, if you had to describe your relationship with money in one word, what would it be? I'd say growing. I feel like I've in the last three years, my, I've been, been like kind of changing my relationship with money and, and it's, my knowledge of my personal finances has been growing every year. So changing and growing. Um, Decent. Decent work. Love it. And then what are three things that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for you, of course, and our relationship gets better every day. Um, I am grateful for the health of my family during, you know, the time of COVID and everything. Everyone's doing well and shout out to my uncle Will. And I'm also grateful for our apartment because it's snowing outside right now and it's just nice and warm in here and it just makes me appreciate it a little more. Definitely. What about you, AJ? What are three things you're grateful for? I'm really grateful that I have such a supportive partner, this guy over here. It's me. Hi, sweetie. Um, Yes, I'm grateful that... um, that I, I'm grateful we live in DC. I just, I'm really happy and COVID's been, it's been really easy for us to be able to be outside and um, get rapid testing and all that stuff. So I'm super grateful that we live in DC and I'm really grateful for my Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I said, I wish I said that. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, what I've learned from my Peloton is that I'm nowhere, nowhere near my potential. And I feel like that translates into life. And like, I have so much work to do and it excites me and inspires me to like keep pushing myself because I'm not at the peak and, um, yeah, not to be super cheesy and become a Peloton instructor, but that's how I feel. Like, (laughs) I feel like I have a lot to, a lot more to give. Um, yeah. Um, Amelie. I am super grateful for conversations like this and just the fact that I have a partner and people in my life who are willing to get vulnerable and deep and talk about money and other things, other like really important topics. I think it's like my favorite part of life, honestly, is just connecting with people and talking about things in general, deeper things, Um, (laughs) no small talk. Um, I'm grateful for the beautiful snow that we're having right now. It's so pretty and it's crazy. crazy. And I'm really grateful for, I'm grateful for access to healthy food, especially during this time. And um, we have like a really nice kitchen. I made bread this morning. We just like, we eat really well. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you, uh, if you did just let us know, because we want to hear what you think about our dudes. Um, Thank you for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. This podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, beyondthegreencoaching.com. We offer private coaching, 
group coaching, couples coaching, and financial wellness workshops for corporations. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our boys for talking with us. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for having us. Bye, everybody. This is great.